This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Chiesi. Do you find yourself juggling multiple websites and clinical tools as you care for your patients? NeoCarePal is a resource providing access to multiple clinical calculators in just one place. To learn more, visit nicuconnections.com backslash NeoCarePal. This is The Incubator, a weekly discussion about new advances in neonatology and the fascinating individuals who make this progress possible. I am Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova-Barbeau. We are neonatal intensive care physicians. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator Podcast. We are uh, live at the CHNC Symposium this morning. Daphna, how are you? I'm doing great, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, very good. We're, we're joined by uh, two physicians, Dr. Katie Huff and uh, Dr. Preetha Nayak. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us this morning. Nice to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. <laughs> so we were joking off air that you are part of the focus group on intestinal failure. And it really has to be intestinal failure. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what does that entail, intestinal failure? What kind of babies are the ones that you are interested in focusing on in terms of quality improvement and research? So the babies we work on are those who are born with uh, not normal intestines, those who cannot feed, who are on uh, prolonged parental nutrition, or those who are born with normal intestines and they undergo surgery and for some reason they can't eat. Yeah, so like, for example, a jejunal atresia mm -hmm. or a baby that has some form of maybe uh, necrotizing enterocolitis and ends up with a short gut. So th those are yeah. the babies that are you guys are focusing mm -hmm. on. Yes. Um, you know, we've had some real challenges with the um, babies who post their, you know, gastroschisis. We've really, I think, that's been impressive for us in the last few years in our unit. So Yeah, we've had babies with gastroschisis in our unit that had pretty significant alias. Yeah. And and it was feeding these babies and getting them to grow is it's, it's just so challenging. Mm -hmm. It's so challenging. Why 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 the intestinal failure as a as an interest for for you both? Yeah, I think um so we're also part of the gastroschisis group. We mm. brought up gastroschisis <laughs> and neck and um a lot of we, overlap there. I know there's a lot of overlap <laughs> with those other two groups. Yeah. We just both really have a passion for nutrition mm -hmm. and And intestinal failure. And so we wanted to have a more broad group. So that's why we started this group last year. We're less than a year old, um, just to try and help focus on those kind of other groups that might be falling through the cracks and the other focus groups and kind of see if we could help expand knowledge and improve outcomes in those babies as a whole. So, and so for the people who are not, uh, who do not have the privilege of being here with us uh, this, this week, um, what are some of the main takeaways, some of the ideas that you guys are bringing up Um, from from your your group um, at the CHNC symposium about intestinal failure and and how to get babies to grow in that situation. Yeah, you can go one after another. Go ahead, go ahead. I think what we want to say is that there's no uh, 
evidence on what works and what doesn't. It's a very lucid. That's area. what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's entire new okay. technology for you. <laughs> and we want to bring it up. We want to make evidence-based practice practices standard. Mm. That's why we collaborate with all the different level four NICUs on what we are doing for the NICU babies, not pediatric, because pediatric is more established than the NICU. Right. Right. So that's what we are trying to do, like feeding protocols and. How do you manage DPN? When do you stop DPN? How, what do you do with the line? When do you de-anastomose? There's, there's so many conflicts when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. How long can we keep the TPN? How long, if we push the enteral feeding, but we back off the TPN, are we going to go into a situation where a baby could be dumping? How long does that central line need to be in? Central line associated infection. So there's a lot of factors that are competing. And, um, and I think it's very hard. I think what, what do you, I, I'm going to let Katie share, share some of her thoughts as well, but then I have some more questions about that. Yeah, I mean, I think we we just, you know, like I said, being a newer focus group, we're kind of starting at the very basics. Mm. And so we honestly just, just started with a survey to see how different it is. And I think we were expecting it to be different, like Ritha was saying, because there's not great, like, randomized control trials saying, like, yes, this is what you should do. Um, but it was honestly also surprising at how different it is. Mm. And so I think just even starting to... It just show and uh, cast a light on the fact that it is really different and it kind of shows that we don't really know mm. what's best practice and I think hopefully moving forward we've even talked about if someday we could help you know maybe do some of those studies so, so we have numbers we have you know there's a lot of institutions and maybe we could someday just to see you know and and I think some of the things that may to us seem like forbidden as neonatologists um, are still very much possibilities when it comes to the management of babies with intestinal failure. Like sending home a baby on TPN is something that is a possibility. It maybe doesn't need to be the, the standard, obviously. But I think that, to me, when when I read about it and and, and the more I, I tried to learn about this, it's something that as a resident, as a failure, you're like, wait, what? Like, no, like that doesn't, mm-hmm. that's not real, right? And I think we need to understand that, don't you think, for our clinicians in order to try to maybe provide a tailored treatment to our babies based on their pathologies? I think the mindset we were all brought up with as through our neonatology course, like, Kids have to go home on full entry yeah. feeds. Mm-hmm. That's right. And with I no NG, with, possibly. With no NG, <laughs> with no G tube, they have to eat. And that's what we tell the moms. When they're eating everything by mouth and growing, that's when you go home. Right. And with this population, you're like, oh, no, that's not happening. Right. Yeah, I think especially this group of babies have these sometimes really protracted mm-hmm. admissions than, than what was expected for their, let's say, pathology. And, you know, then we really hit that balance of, you know, development's already compromised because nutrition's compromised and they're stuck in the, the unit with us. So um, what sorts of outcomes do you, do you guys hope to tackle? I mean, the dream would be, you know, a lot of things, like you said, but I think um, we're still trying to figure out, you know, what we can, um, yeah. you know, because CHNC is wonderful and it's a great resource, the database. Um, but I think just also figuring out what we can do together and like the number of institutions that we're working with to figure out what we can. Because, um, I mean, yeah, the dream would be to figure out all the outcomes, you know? <laughs> like yeah, what we're doing to neurodevelopment, because I think that's still a big question, too. But I think that would be further down the line. I think yeah. interim growth as well. Mm-hmm. And I think. With our CHNC group, we have a lot of GI people mm-hmm. who are interested, a lot of surgeons who are interested, and it's not just the NICU perspective. Mm. They are willing to come to the table from their pediatric part and share with us like what works, what doesn't. 
Yeah, I think that's a very interesting because many people, many of our colleagues who've been on the podcast this since yesterday have said something, uh, a recurrent uh, theme that variability presents opportunity. Mm -hmm. I've I've written that down, and I feel like in your case though, variability seems like um, a very scary perspective because. We all have different feeding protocols. I think none of us are happy with our feeding protocols. <laughs> and so you're coming in um, where, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds like um, feeding in the NICU is probably where we would see the most variability, where everybody's doing things differently, none of them evidence-based. Mm. Um, and so how do you, um, as as members of the CHNC, how do you take this and, and create a cohesive movement towards QI? I think the... The main, the strength of CHNC is it's a lot of, it's, I think, 43, 44 CHN, like level 4 NICUs. Right. We're dealing with the same population that we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. And from there, we pull in, like, okay, what works for you may work for us. So when you look at all their feeding protocols and say, okay, this is the consistent thing I've seen in all, I then see. you can say, okay, hey, this is what we are proposing. I see. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, and I think it was just interesting that when we did the survey, just to see, because, you know, you get so focused on what you do at your institution, even if it's not evidence-based, you just think, like, this is my practice, this is what we do, and you kind of just get used to it. And so it was nice to see the differences and see what other people are doing, like, oh, that's possible, like, I didn't even, I have never even thought of doing that. So it also sparked some ideas on just expanding, like, what's out there and what's possible. So that's been helpful and interesting, too. Yeah, and I think you have this opportunity with the database, like you said, looking at this fresh, looking at this opportunity, right, uh, to, to, to do something different for these babies. And you do have hospitals doing different things, right? Like if you could set up that study and have different, you know, arms, you already kind of have that. And mm-hmm. so being able to look at them is uh, look at the outcomes even by, you know, feeding style. I think that's a really interesting opportunity. Yeah. It sounds like it's an exciting time because there are so many unknowns. Um, how can people get involved with the group? You know, we have a lot of trainees who listen who maybe haven't found their area of interest yet. And it sounds like there's still a lot to discover on this topic. Yeah, so um, we're always open to new members. You know, um, if you're part of the CHNC, um, feel free to reach out to us. You know, um, our uh, email address is just intestinal failure at chnc.org. So Simple. really easy. very nice. <laughs> very to the point. Um, and so they can find us that way or they can reach out to Kenna Kelly, can kind of get them um, hooked up with us. But we're always happy to have new members. And like Rita said, we have many disciplines. So GI, surgery, um, we have in neonatology, we have MDs, dietitians, mm. APPs, nurses. It's a great group. Um, I guess as as we're we're coming close to uh, the end of the dis- discussion, I have a f- one more question about um, the future of intestinal failure research and how you guys are looking at this from the perspective of the CHNC. I I feel like we've been doing a lot of the management of intestinal failure in the same way for many many years, right? We try to create protocol, we try to a feeding regimen with different set of advances and so on and so forth, TPN. But is there something out there that you guys are looking at and you're saying, man, this new tool might be a game changer for us, whether it is uh, genetic testing that are going to allow you maybe to understand your patients better and maybe target a treatment in a much more direct fashion. Is there anything like that that you guys are excited about? I would say the stool, what goes in comes out, right? (laughs) (laughs) So why do some kids thrive on full antral? Why some kids struggle the Mm. entire time? 
I think it's something to do with your microbiome, and that's what Katie will be looking at soon. And mm. Misty Good is looking at it. A lot right. of researchers are looking at it. Yeah, so I think it'd be interesting to see, like the microbiome. I think is yeah. Exciting. I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting some type of uh, uh, Google computer that was gonna. I was not mm. expecting poop to be the uh, the, uh, the new the new answer. But that, it makes a lot of sense. I think if you guys understand uh, how digestion process happens on an individual basis, I think it may uh, uncover a lot of uh, a lot of issues. So yeah. That's interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Any other? No, no I think. it's exciting. We're really looking forward to seeing what your group uh, puts out because I know it's something that our unit is struggling with and, and units all over the country. So I think it's really important work. Um, and we're looking forward to hearing more. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Incubator. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of The Incubator and new shows from The Incubator Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com, or by visiting our website, www.the dash incubator.org you can also message the show on instagram or x formerly known as twitter at nikki podcast thanks again for listening and see you next time this podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice if you have any medical concerns please see your primary care practitioner thank you